Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you. Still got a little turkey buzz going on there. All tanked up on cranberry sauce. Uh, listen, we're going to have a good message for you today. Uh, I think this is a fun message. I'm really excited about it. I guess it depends on what your definition of fun is. Uh, but the, the goal of this message is to break the spirit of fear off of your life. Uh, the enemies of God, specifically the world, the flesh, and the devil, uh, use a spirit of fear, death, and destruction uh, to harm believers and unbelievers, uh, to squelch the church, to inhibit the gospel, and to hurt the cause of Christ. And uh, today I want to speak against that spirit of fear and unleash the power of the Word of God in your life. Jesus taught us through his temptation that the way to break the power of the enemy is through the Word of God. And so what we want to do is we want to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. The battle over fear is, is fought in the mind. Uh, it is a mental battle. And the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, he says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And a stronghold is an untrue thought. It's a lie that uh, keeps us in bondage. And so I want to I give you a simple truth today. It's a truth that maybe you already know, but you may not be living it out to the degree that you could or need to in order to see the spirit of fear, death, and destruction broken from off of our lives. Now I want you to understand at the outset that fear in itself is not a bad thing. Uh, fear can be a good thing. God created fear to protect us. And there are times we should be afraid. There are things we should be afraid of. And fear serves a, a great and good purpose in our lives. But fear is designed by God to be used in short bursts in specific circumstances. For instance, you're hiking in the woods and a bear comes out of the bushes. Okay? Uh, fear kicks in. Big time. And you have to make a decision in that moment to either fight or flight. And, you know, are you going to fight the bear? Bad idea. Okay? Or are you going to run from the bear? Good idea, if you can run fast enough. And so fear causes your adrenal glands to kick in, and you take off like Tyreek Hill and escape the clutches of the bear. Okay? So that's the God-designed purpose of fear. It alerts us to danger, it kicks in our adrenal glands for a short burst of energy and strength, it's for our protection. But there is another application, an abusive application of fear. And Paul describes it this way in 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. And other translations will say a spirit of fearfulness or a spirit of timidity or a spirit of cowardice. And so rather than a burst of fear, 
It is an ongoing state of being afraid. And if you're living in an ongoing state of fear, that kind of fear does not come from God. God does not want you to live in a state of fear. And I've told you this several times before, that over 365 times in the Bible, God says, do not be afraid. And that's one for every day out of the year. And uh, this week I took a closer look at that and I discovered that I was actually wrong. Uh, God does not tell you 365 times, do not be afraid. In fact, over 500 times in the Bible, God says, do not be afraid, have no fear, uh, have courage, and so on. So if you have a spirit of fear, it is not coming from God. So where is it coming from? Seriously, where, where is it coming from? It's coming from the enemies of God. It's coming from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, it's those enemies of God that Paul addresses in the rest of this verse. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so God gives us, God gives us the power to overcome our fear. Uh, Jesus Christ said in John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus gives us the power to overcome the world, to overcome the fear that the world puts into us. God gives us love to drive out, to cast out, to expel fear. 1 John 4.18 says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Folks, God does not torment us. That's what the devil does. And the devil can't create anything. All he can do is take the good things that God has created, abuse them, distort them, and use them for evil. And that's what he does with fear. And he abuses us, he torments us, with fear and the love of God will drive that out of your life it casts it out expels it from our life and then instead of a spirit of fear God gives us a sound mind uh, some translations uh, say self-control and so we don't have to be driven by our self-generated fears instead we, we can bring the self under the control of God. Uh, self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And it's not the self in control, it is the self under control, under the control of the Spirit. And so we can have a sound mind in the face of fear. A sound mind comes when you take your thoughts captive, make them obedient to Christ, and that's going to defeat the enemy in Jesus' name. And it'll, get, it'll take care of the fear in your life. Now, if you get too enamored with the world, if you get too uh, influenced by yourself or too tormented uh, by uh, the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil, fear can destroy your life. It can destroy your life. And so the thought of a sound mind is the eternal perspective. 
And that's what I want to talk to you about today, the eternal perspective. The idea that we are just passing through uh, this world. The Bible says our life is a mist, it's a vapor. We're here for a time, and then we're gone. We're here, and then we go there. But if you get focused on the happenings of earth, it, it can put you in a spirit of fear. But when you know where your eternal home is, you, you have the hope of things working out down here. I mean, you really do have that hope. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. But that doesn't happen every time here. Life doesn't always work out here. And sometimes we get sick and get well, and sometimes we get sick and die. Sometimes we get to keep our job, sometimes we lose our job. Sometimes our ship comes in, and sometimes our ship sinks. That's why we trust in Jesus. And when things don't work out here, my theology tells me that some glad morning, when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. You know, I got a mansion just over the hilltop. Uh, I'm not really dead, I'm just changing neighborhoods. Okay? So I pray every day for things to work out here. Give us this day our daily bread. And I see God answering prayers here every day in this life, and I thank Him for that. But I recognize that the theological foundation that keeps a spirit of fear, death, and destruction from controlling my life is the belief in the eternal perspective. And so today I'm going to give you three thoughts and then a challenge at the end of the message. This is going to be so good for you. <laughs> I can't wait. Now, in the Gospel of John, uh, near the end of Jesus' life, uh, half the book of the Gospel of John is about the last week of Jesus' life. Uh, when John wrote his Gospel, he focused on the end of Jesus' life. So even though this passage we're going to look at is found in the middle of the book of John, it's actually a principle that Jesus taught in the last week of his life. And he's wrapping up his time with his disciples. He's talking about going to the cross and then going to heaven. And the disciples don't like this idea very much. You know, they thought he was going to establish an earthly kingdom and they were going to be leaders in it. And now all of a sudden there's all this cross talk and uh, the idea of Jesus leaving and uh, they don't like it. And so Jesus sees them becoming discouraged and he says this in John 14, 1 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't have a spirit of fear, death, and destruction in your life. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And I intentionally didn't put the next verse on the screen. Uh, some of you know the next verse, but if you don't know what it is, I want you for a moment to just imagine, what, what would Jesus say next? Jesus says, I know your hearts are troubled. I know you're afraid. I know you're discouraged by this news. So what would the next verse be? Let me pray for you. Let me do a miracle. Let me do a mighty work of God on your behalf. No, no. Here's what Jesus told these scared, discouraged disciples. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. So what Jesus offers them is a place in heaven. 
So the disciples, they're focusing on the trouble here on earth. And Jesus is redirecting their thoughts to a place in heaven. Do you see that? And it's very important for you to learn the art of this. That while we're believing and trusting God to move on planet earth, we have the perspective that if he doesn't do it, we still have a place prepared for us in heaven. In other words, there's an escape plan. Jesus is going to get us out of here. It's the eternal perspective. I love this quote from Soren Kierkegaard. Don't you love that name? Soren Kierkegaard. Any of you expecting babies, if you're looking for a name, <clears throat> Soren or Kierkegaard, either one. Look, look at what he wrote. I love this. He says, when the sailor is out on the sea and everything is changing around him, as the waves are continually being born and dying, he does not stare into the depths of these since they vary. You know, that probably describes your life. Everything is changing around you. Problems are being born and dying, being born and dying. And he says, don't stare into the depths of these things because they vary. And too many people, even believers, have their eyes fixed on variables. Here, he says, no, here's what the sailor does. He looks up at the stars. And why? Because they are faithful. As they now stand now, they stood for the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob looked up at the same stars that you and I look up at. And will stand for coming generations. So the waves are crashing all around the sailor, but he chooses not to look at the waves being born and dying. Instead, he looks at the stars that have stood the test of time. By what means, then, does he conquer changing conditions? Through the eternal. By means of the eternal, one can conquer the future, because the eternal is the foundation of the future. Folks, this is a necessary necessary skill for a believer who lives in our generation because in our generation problems are going to compound and compound we are living in a season of world history where problems are going to grow exponentially and so as a Christian you, you need to be ready for it you need to be ready for it because things might not get better in fact things might get worse and to make it through better or for worse, uh, the key is to get the right perspective. Because God never promised that things would always work out here on earth. In fact, he flat out told us that things would not work out often. And if you can grab a hold of that truth, it can save your life, it can save your faith. We still pray, we still trust God to work on our behalf, we thank him for the victories and, and the blessings, but God never guaranteed that everything will work out here. Now, I would remind you that for those of us in this room, we're getting the best version of earth that uh, there is. I mean, seriously, folks, on your worst day, 99% of the planet would change places with you immediately. Okay? So if we're not careful, we can get spoiled. And we get focused on the wrong things, and that can destroy your life. 
So today, I want to give you the gift of an eternal perspective. Because with the pandemic, the financial situation, the civil unrest, the political division, the inflation, the climate hysteria, I see people walking around in a state of fear. And I want to break that spirit of fear in your life. How do you do it? Three ways. Number one, on your notes, on your outline. I focus my eyes on heaven, not earth. When Jesus taught about the end times, he said that terrible things would happen. Nation rising against nation, earthquakes and famine, plagues and pestilences. Things get really bad before the end of time. And Jesus said, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He didn't say, I'm going to do a miracle and make it all better. He says, no, you stand up, you lift up your heads, because your redemption is coming. And in Revelation 12, 11, we're told how to overcome the devil and all his antics in the end times. And so referring to those who were martyred for their Christian faith, it says, they triumphed over him, the, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And so if, if you're going to make it through, you need two things. One, you need the gospel. That's the blood of the Lamb. And the second thing you need is you need the application of the gospel in your life. That's the word of your testimony. So if you're going to, if you're going to defeat this, if you're going to win, you need the gospel, you need the word of your testimony, the application of the gospel in your life. Third thing you need. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The martyrs at the end of the age understood that their lives are not all about living here. They weren't afraid of death because they had eternal life. They had an eternal perspective. You can't scare a person who'd rather be in heaven than be on this earth. Uh, Jesus said, don't be afraid of the one that can kill your body, but be afraid of the one who can throw both body and soul into hellfire. So, so here's the point. You want to go through life looking up, not looking around. Go through life looking up, not looking around. Second thing you want to do. I want to focus my life on the unseen, not the seen. You've got to have a life plan. You've got to have a purpose plan that isn't all about what you see. Uh, too many people, too many Christians, focus their lives on what they see. And then the Bible comes along and says, you know, if you want to be successful, if you want to rise above inflation, if you want to, uh, the coronavirus, social unrest, political shenanigans, if you want to break out of your fear, you've got to have a life plan that is focusing on populating heaven. You've got to have a life plan focused on God's kingdom come, God's will be done can't focus on the seen, you've got to focus on the unseen. And, you know, the Apostle Paul had horrible things happen in his life. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. See the contrast there? How, how do we arrange our lives so that we're living on the side of the knots? 
not crushed, not in despair, not abandoned, not destroyed. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Outwardly wasting away. Can I get an amen from somebody else my age? Okay. I mean, it's like every day I wake up and what doesn't work now? Inwardly, I am being renewed. And, you know, I have an eternal perspective. There is an eternal glory, and I can't wait. I can't wait. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we fix our eyes. Fix our eyes not on the waves, on the stars. We fix our eyes on the eternal, the unseen. You know, they'd come to the Apostle Paul and they'd say, if you don't stop preaching the gospel, we're going to throw you in jail. And Paul would say, would you? You know, I got these letters I've been trying to write to these churches and it would be nice if I could just stay in one place long enough to get caught up on my correspondence. He says, you know, the last time they threw me in jail, I, I led the, the prison guards to Jesus and I'd like to do some more of that. They say, you know, Paul, if you don't preach, stop preaching the gospel, we're going to cut your head off. And Paul said, would you? I, I am just so tired of all this struggle and strife down here in life, and I would love to go to heaven and be with Jesus. Uh, you know, Paul said, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And I wonder how many of us really believe this. You know, as long as God has me on this earth, I'm going to fix my eyes on the unseen things of heaven. You can't scare me with the fear of death, because if I die, I actually gain something. It's an eternal perspective toward an eternal glory. And so you learn the art in the middle of a bad situation to look up, not around, and to fix your heart on the unseen things. Rockbrook is built on the premise that every believer in Jesus Christ plays a part in the ministry of the church. We believe every member is a minister. And we encourage every one of you to become a member of this church, to go through growth track, and become part of a dream team so that you have a place of ministry in the church. And we don't do that because we need you to volunteer. We do that because that's what God has called the church to do. That's what God has called every believer to do. We do that because when you focus on something that has eternal weight to it, when you do something that is building God's kingdom for eternity, your life is better. Your life is better. And you will not lose heart. That's why we do it. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. 
Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. You need to live for treasures in heaven. Live for treasures in heaven. Third thing. I need to focus my heart on faith, not fear. You know, what, what do you do when you're afraid? Uh, Psalm 34.4 says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. So you want, you want to move from fear to faith. So you pray. Psalm 119 says, My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. And so you need, you need a mechanism where in your most fearful days or fearful moments, you say, I'm going to back away from this for a moment, and I'm going to pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that every fear, every worry, every care, every situation that feels bigger than me, I release them into your care. And I know that you are freeing me from my fears. And so you pray that, and then you open up your Bible, and you read how you can triumph over your enemies through power, love, and a sound mind. How God has made you more than a conqueror. How Jesus has prepared a place for you in heaven. How God promises one day to wipe away every tear. Practical Christianity calls us out of fear into faith. Out of fear into faith. Uh, one of the great Christian thinkers of the 20th century was, was C.S. Lewis. And uh, Lewis was an atheist, a university professor, and then he became a believer. And you may be familiar with his children's books, The Chronicles of Narnia. You know, Disney made them into movies. Millions of people around the world have seen those movies. But Lewis's best works weren't his children's books. Uh, you know, th they, they were books of deep and meaningful examination of the Christian life. Uh, books like Mere Christianity and God in the Dock and the Screwtape Letters and the Problem of Pain. And I, I took a course on the works of C.S. Lewis in college and it profoundly impacted my faith and my life. And I recently ran across something that Lewis wrote that I'd never seen before. Uh, it was an essay that he wrote for a magazine in 1948. So 1948, three years after America had dropped the atomic bombs on Japan to bring an end to World War II. Now, people had lived in fear all throughout the war years, and then the war was over, and a new fear came in. Uh, there was all-out panic over the atomic bomb. And uh, people were going nuts. People would go to the movies. They'd go to the movies for some, some relief to see a screwball comedy or a romantic film or a film noir detective movie, my favorites. And, and before every film, there was a newsreel showing the destructive power of the nuclear tests in the South Pacific or the Nevada desert. And, and before every film, they'd go there for entertainment and they would be subjected to this film footage of everything being obliterated by these explosions. And it put a spirit of fear, death, and destruction into people. I mean, there was so much fear that it began to paralyze an entire generation, including the church. And in light of that spirit of fear, C.S. Lewis wrote an essay, and I want to read part of it for you today. 
And, and whenever Lewis mentions the atomic bomb, I want you to replace those words with whatever it is that has you afraid today. Whatever is giving you a spirit of fear. And it may be COVID, inflation, losing your job, a relationship issue, finances, whatever it is, just put that fear into this article. He says, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply. Why, as you would have lived in the 16th century, when the plague visited London almost every year. Or as you would have lived in a Viking age, when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat at night. Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. You know, I've got to tell you folks, my least favorite word uh, over these last months has been the word unprecedented. I mean, on the news, you hear this over and over again. These events are unprecedented. Listen, there's plenty of precedent for all of this. All of this has happened before. And when people claim that it is unprecedented, at first it shows their ignorance of history, and it shows the arrogance that everything that happens to them is happening for the first time. And when you think you're facing something that no one else has ever faced before, it increases the fear in your life. And saying it is unprecedented, it makes it more dramatic. It makes their story more important. Okay? Look at this. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all but a certainty. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting with our friends, throwing a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. Jesus Christ put it this way in the parable of the talents in Luke 19:13. He said, "Occupy till I come." Occupy. Don't hunker, don't hide, don't fret, don't stew, occupy. And the Greek word there uh, for occupy is the word pragmatic. Be pragmatic. And in this context, it means keep doing business until Jesus Christ returns. And the theological implication is that we are to be busy with our Heavenly Father's business until Jesus comes back. I don't know what fear has been dominating your life, but it can end today.
It can end today by having the eternal perspective. Because you can't hurt me because I'm going to heaven. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and he will bring me safely to that place he has prepared for me. Let's pray together. In a moment, I'm, I'm going to ask all of you to stand and, and sing the next song. But as we pray to close out this message, I want to invite those of you who would like to break free from your spirit of fear. I'm going to ask you as we pray for you to stand and lift up your heads. And this is a special, specific moment for you to break free from your fear, to receive the power, the love, and the sound mind that God offers you. This is your moment. And so stand up as we pray. Father, I pray for every person in this room. I pray that the spirit of fear and death and destruction may be broken in every life. I pray for the truth of God's word and the eternal perspective to take root in the life of every believer. We give you our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our strength. Help us, God, to live boldly for you. God, I pray that we would overcome the world through the power of Christ, that we would cast out all fear through the love of Christ, that we would have a sound mind and self-control, taking every thought captive for Christ. I thank you for freeing us from our fears today. Help us to occupy, to be busy about your business, building your kingdom until the very moment of Christ's return. Thine is the glory and the power forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.